Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast right here on planettyro.com, brought to you by the studios of Simon Rad. Thank you for having me, Simon. Don't fact me before you get the bill. <laughs> it ain't no bill, goddammit. We're doing this shit for free. I ain't getting any fee. And guys, you listening, you guys are paying us with your time, which we do appreciate. Guys, we're continuing the retrospective. And this time, because we're at Simon's house, you might notice some audio differences. I'm going to try to edit. It might sound better. It might sound worse, you guys. So keep an open mind, because honestly, I get tired of doing this in the Planet Tower Studios all the time. I need to change the scenery. You guys don't know the difference. So moving on, guys. Last Which is time, very important for a podcast. Yeah, where you record plays such a big part in the viewers' experience because they're just listening, motherfucker. Exactly. You know, you're, like your mama told you, you had the best face for for radio. No, nah, actually, she said I should be a model. Fuck you. Anyway, guys, last time, <laughs> last time, if you were with us on the retrospective, we talk, we spoke about that TV kind of side movie, 1996 Sunshine Boys. It was a, it was an interesting recording, a painful one since we did that one twice. But <laughs> that's already more time than anybody else spent on the movie because I still can't find a single credit for that on any website talking about Woody Allen movies. It's almost like the movie doesn't even exist it's a special one guys we went out of our way because we're completionists so guys thank you if you're on youtube again it'll be on the youtube card top right hand corner guys do not forget we've been doing this retrospective all year 2017 we've created a specific website called woody 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 allen retro.com go there you can see all the previous recordings for all the other previous films we're moving forward guys do not forget all of these discussions are spoiler discussions. You guys should watch the movies first before you listen to us ramble about them because we're going to spoil all the details. And with that said, Simon, I'm going to let you take it away. Tell us what this one's about and we're going to get into it. Okay. Well, another controversial recording is upon us because this is another another pretty good one in my opinion and another beloved one. And like usually when it comes to 90s Woody Allen movies, you're probably going to be on the opposite side. But we are looking at hmm. 1990, is it six? Yep. I believe it's six. Yeah, same year as the Sunshine Boys. 1996 is, everybody says, I love you, except me. I Which know. is not true. I was just about to say that. <laughs> that is, like, <laughs> that is, is not like, true. Maybe that's some 90s stuff, but uh, it wouldn't be a Woody Allen movie without some irony. So might as well have an ironic title. It's the name of the, one of the main songs in the movie. That and the there movie. you go. Yeah. That's basically all you need to know about this movie, that it is a musical. Well, if you need any further proof that Woody Allen is a freaking genius, man. I mean, this guy made a, made a musical in one year. Where yeah. did this come from? While acting in another movie... Especially, like, if you think about the 90s, so diverse. Such diverse filmography. Expressionism, comedy, sci-fi, freaking experimental romance, and now musical. And don't get me wrong, this is still a true-to-form Woody Allen movie. And sort of his rediscovery of his love for New York. Yeah. Again, very typical Woody Allen setting. Woody plays uh, Joe Berlin, out of all the names he could pick for a character, who is divorced. And the main focus is not really on him. He has his own plot line. But the bulk of the story roams around his old family. His wife, uh, ex-wife, played by Coldy Hawn. Coldy Hawn, not Coldy. Goldy. Goldy. You, you, you f- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. What do you think I said? You said Coldy. I heard that. Guys, you heard him say Coldy. Coldy. <laughs> what kind of name is Coldy? Like, no, it's Goldie Hawn. Yeah. And her husband, her second husband, 
played by Ellen Alda. You know I love that guy. Oh, fourth time coming. Let he, me tell you. He, he is terrific. He's having a good time. He's got a smile on his face. He might be the miserable guy on MASH, but let me tell you something. In every Woody Allen movie, he's got a smile on his face. And yeah, you carry on, man, but he, I, he's great. I love that guy. It's like, if it, if the comedy bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, he? I do. He's great. He's absolutely great. And again, playing a totally different character in this one. He's not annoying. Yeah. He's actually the straight man. He's like the backbone of the family. And then we have the kids. And I don't want to... There's a lot of characters in this, but what really needs to be highlighted that this movie has an amazing cast. I mean, you actually need to help me out because I'm yeah. probably going to forget some people, but we have uh, freaking Drew Mar Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, yeah. As one of the daughters. We have Natalie Portman. Mm -hmm. You know, what? this is around Leon, right? Leon the professional. So, you know, quite early days of her She looks so much younger than Leon than here, though. She looked like she really grew up in this movie. Uh, I don't uh, know, the jump, a year or two? Maybe we can come back to that. We'll have but to come but back to again, that, yeah. Woody just picking the talent before you even know it. Her actual biological daughter in the movie is played by Natasha Leone. Yeah, the girl from Orange is the New Black. Again, uh, again, just so many years before. Her name's Nikki. Nikki, that drug girl who's having. She's one of the most. She's actually one of the most charisma charismatic people in Orange is the New Black. She's a beloved character. She disappeared in one of the seasons, but she's in this movie. To be honest with you, she's narrating. A lot of this movie as she, well. She is basically the main character, right? Yeah, basically. If, if, yeah. if you want to narrow it down, it's it's quite evenly paced. But if you need a main character, it's probably her because she's narrating. It's truly her perspective or retrospective. She's talking about all the events take place throughout a year, and she's thinking back on it. Yeah. And there's Ed Norton, Tim Ed Roth, Edward Norton, Edward Norton, uh, Tim Roth from Reservoir Dogs again. Nineties was a. His main year for career. It um, was, even though he had that. What was that series he had called? Lie to Me? It was Lie to Me, right? He had his own series, Lie to Me. I and... think it, for me, it was called Turn the Channel. Yeah, it was called Cancelled as well. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> trying to take the piss. <laughs> yeah, it had many names. All right, guys. For you general guys, you probably more to recognize him from being the Abomination in the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton. Oh, and, 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 oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything comes, full circle. comes around. Edward yeah, Norton, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even see, I didn't even think of that before. Yeah, after this movie, I was actually shocked. Everybody cast this guy as the Hulk. I'm like, in this movie, he plays like the you know, the most anti-rage person. I mean, I guess for Bruce Banner. But let's not get sidetracked. Oh, you even have uh, what's what's my girl? Uh, the voice of Marge Simpson. Oh, Judy Kavner. She has a small role in it, in this movie as well. I didn't even notice that till you pointed out to me. Uh, yeah, and it, the list just goes on and on. I mean, it is. We mentioned Julia Roberts, right? Yeah, Julia. Um, this cast is fucking shocking. I know we say it all the time, but guys. I mean, at this point, Woody Allen's casting known people, Julia Roberts, Goldie Horn, and he's casting people that their future is yet to shine. Again, the Orange is the New Black Lady and Natasha, and uh, man, Woody Allen, I, it's a consistent with his career. It's crazy, you know. I know I shouldn't just give Woody the the, um, the credit for that. I'm sure he's got a casting director that hires his people, but honestly, Woody's got some fucking six degrees of separation shit in nearly all of his movies. He must be what? one of the most connected directors I've ever, ever seen. Oh, and, and don't get me wrong, he also needs to be credited as an actor's director because everybody gives terrific performances. Not only he knows how to pick the right people, but really it has to be a joy working with him because everybody's terrific in this movie. Even Julia Roberts, you know, who for me, she's a great actress, but she has two two types of movies. Yeah. One where she kind of plays the starlet, the beauty. Yeah. And then there's a 
there are films where they actually character driven films like yeah that, where they challenge her like yeah. Yeah, they actually cast her as a sleeping with the enemy yeah uh, the one you want to mention Ellen Brockovich yes exactly she won the Oscar for that right yeah so when they challenge her and this one she really shines and in this movie what makes it special that it's a combination of both she is the love interest she plays like you know the beautiful mysterious woman but she's terrific you know Woody really knows how to direct people and just get give enough backstory to these characters so the actors can really sink their teeth in. Oh, yeah, but he can't help putting himself in that, you know, male role of the main love interest with these characters. He can't help himself. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll get to that later. And, you know, to be honest with you, there's a there's an interview he says later where... Let me tell you something about Woody Allen. I know we said this before. He's a very brash person. He says what he thinks. He said... I think it's more recently interesting that he said that as, as he gets older, he found it so hard to cast himself out of them main lead roles. He's like, look, man, I'm just a human guy. I want to be the guy that gets a girl. And, you know, as he, <laughs> as he gets older, it gets more unrealistic, of course. But as we get through, I'm bringing this up now because, again, when you see Woody Allen, I don't want to say coercing, when you see him courting Judy Roberts, you're kind of like, really? There's a reason for that in this movie. But, again, he's getting older. So, in the movies, it's starting to get unbelievable that he's the main love interest for all these movies. And he tries to work his character that it's not... That he's a main love interest, like the last movie. It's not that he loved that girl, but anyway. But yeah, well, I'll get more. I, I, I know what you. But people are thinking, like, okay, so so what? Do you have all these terrific actors? What's this movie about? There's no story. That's what we've been protecting. Uh, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. we've been procrastinating it, it, about this. It, it is it is a Woody Allen movie. So everybody's miserable, yet everybody's happy at the same time. You know, it's a funny movie. It's all about setting up funny situations and then having a musical number. Yeah. That's basically it. it. It's true to form Woody Allen in terms of the setting. We have a liberal family living in New York, big family. Everybody's super accomplished. Rich. But he even makes rich. But he even makes fun of that because. The only black sheep of the family is the son, who just decided he's like a conservative Republican. You and know, that is I one was, of the funniest things I, I have ever seen. I was watching that and I was thinking of you and I was thinking, you must hate this fucking kid. Because the way he was arguing with dad being ultra conservative and <laughs> the shit he was saying to his dad, I was like, Simon, love, you know, Simon, you know, Simon, he loves these kind of people. Well, he loves to hate them. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I, I thought that was hilarious because Woody gives it to both. Because yeah. cause the kid is just like, you know, releasing criminals on the street, people on handouts, are you insane? Everybody's entitled. It was like George Bush Jr., yeah, right? Yeah. And But then he flips it and, you know, Goldie on, she's like, because uh, the daughter's narrating a movie and she's she, the she, regrettable, she's the guilty yeah, she's liberal. The, she comes from money, so she's like the guilty liberal. Yeah. And she goes to, she campaigning against bettering, uh, against, you know, how we treat prisoners every cause every liberal cause you can yeah, think of she's but, got but, these fundraisers yeah. charities yeah. yeah but not right and when the mo movie takes place she's all about bettering the prison system and she just there's this hilarious scene where she goes into the prison and starts talking about we should we should provide books and classical music and european menus and choose your own dinner yeah and choose choose your own dinner and cook their own food so the Prisoners can live in a sophisticated way, in larger, maybe two-bedroom cells. <laughs> then yeah. you just have this reaction shot of the, all the prison guards and the police just listening to her, what like, are fuck? you crazy? What the fuck is this bitch talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hilarious. It's really funny. And the Finn plot line that's there, that the whole family is getting ready, because Drew Barrymore and Edward Norton are getting married. Oh, Drew Barrymore and Edward Norton. Oh, yeah. my God. And Edward Norton. A, a loved-up couple, and Drew yeah. Barrymore is like a young, innocent girl who's dreaming about the 
Prince Charming, somebody exciting, and Edward Norton is basically a dork. So, so that, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 and you can see that's the main point that everybody could be happy, but they want something else. Yes, and, and that's the the driving force through all the plot lines. Julia Roberts has a boyfriend, but she wants something husband. else. Husband. Oh yeah, a husband. Sorry, a husband, but she wants something else, and she visits a psychiatrist, and all the daughters who go to school together, they actually. The psychiatrist is, I think, one of their schoolmates next door neighbors. So they, they can overhear the yeah, conversation. They can, they, Woody recycles the plot line from another, another woman. woman. My yeah. favorite movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, he, he, some of his films make a cameo in this because there's even a... We'll get to it later. But basically, they overhear her. So there's a whole plot line of the daughter trying to set up Woody Allen with Julia Roberts using the inside information from yep. Julia Roberts. Feeding him everything session. he could possibly know to, to win this woman's heart. And honestly... It starts off comedic, but it gets kind of fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which could be a whole separate Woody Allen movie altogether. Sure, sure. But I want to get into the, the specific details of specific plot lines, and the, the specific scenes. But first, you know, tell me how, why you hate this fucking movie. Oh my God, I hate this movie. I hate one of the most Woody Allen's only, well, to my memory, only musical. Man, look, man, guys, I'll tell you right now. When I'm criticizing Woody Allen, I'm criticizing him against myself. Well, yeah, I'm, you see, I'm defending myself right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. You're already like, hey, yes, like, yeah, I, I get need, away from me. Yeah, because I get a lot of hate on the email, especially, hey, this is, Woody Allen's movies are mostly good, mostly great, better than a whole bunch of other people's movies. Look, man, when it comes to this movie, movie slash musical, I have to give it slack because I am going to be critical on it because it's a musical within a year. And to me, if you're making a musical, musicals are planned. They're planned, they're planned. Every scene's planned. The songs are planned. And this is kind of, um, I don't want to call it a rush musical, but you can see it's just very, um, I don't, it's, you could just see that this isn't Woody doing a musical at his optimal. If you give Woody Allen two or three years to make a musical, I think he could make a fucking masterpiece classic musical. When I was watching this movie, I could see the editing was kind of shoddy. The songs were, I, I think they were like, they were not original songs. Maybe some of them were, but a few of them were pop influenced or songs that were just re-sung which is fine and again they're getting the actors who are not classically trained to be you know musicals or do this thing they're just that is one thing i want to mention that this film just symbolizes a trend in hollywood to cast people in musicals who can sing what's up with that you have a terrific cast but nobody can sing well that's well to, to, that's what i don't mind i'm like i can't criticize the singing because they're just singing normally and there's not a whole bunch of ADR after dubbing to make up for it. And I appreciated that. You can blatantly see Woody Allen himself has a part where he's singing. He's singing so <laughs> low. It's like, dude, I can't hear you. But I, but then again, he's not trying to make it perfect. So I'm like, I can forgive that. Edward Norton is pathetic, but it's so <laughs> funny. His character's pathetic and his singing is so bad. It's just like, like dude, you know, it's it's a pathetic character. It's, he, he's singing is pathetic. <laughs> And his dancing is prophetic his wardrobe yeah. is prophetic yeah you know, it's yeah. just like I can't criticise the movie because it just feels like they're just trying to be spontaneously breaking into song but again it's like I, I saw glimmers of greatness here and good ideas not only the characters there's a few set pieces there's a set piece at a hospital there's a more creative one at a funeral yep there's one at the end we'll get to but I was like I can't criticise Woody Allen on the musical part because again he's doing it within a year and for that, it's fair enough. But again, as a musical, the songs are meh. The the set pieces are good for what they are. 
But I wasn't as blown away as I was the first time. And again, because when it comes to Hollywood, American and musicals, I feel like they're very passionate. And when I'm coming into it and I'm thinking of great musicals, I'm not going to name because I don't want to compare this to anything, to be honest with you. I'm just like, this is the first American musical I've seen in Hollywood by a big budget director, which is kind of lacking. But it, it, it feels like he's just testing. So again, for me to be critical isn't fair because again, he's just trying the first time, doing it within a year, and for all it is, it's fine, but it didn't blow me away. And the story, as we said, it's, it's a thin, thin story where you're just bouncing around this family, having their own little love issues, they're a rich white family. If we're talking about likability, they're not, they're all sport, they're all rich. Edward Norton's character's kind of pathetic. Drew Barrymore's does something really bad to him, which he kind of forgives. So it's very light and fluffy. The whole thing can't be taken very seriously. So I'm just like, I should just sit back and enjoy it. But it's very mediocre. It's like, yeah, Woody, you know, if this was just a focused musical on, you know, I know you're going to be at La La Land, but if it was a focused storyline on two characters and he was writing a narrative, I could see him blowing out of the park. But for me, I was just like, this is just kind of meh. I'm sorry, Woody. I'm like, I can see you have talent to do something great here. But as I was watching the movie, I'm like, even at the entertainment level, it's very bleh. Except for one particular scene at the end, which I think is obviously one of his most iconic scenes. But honestly, I don't really need to go over everything because it's a thin story. Everything's kind of mediocre. Except, oh, sorry, there's one thing. I'll, I'll take that back. One thing... Stella and the cinematography in terms of style and the way it's executed isn't stellar but the visuals my fucking god Paris New York in the winter yep. it looks I haven't seen the movie Woody Allen movie look this beautiful since Manhattan I think this is between uh, Manhattan and now and this movie it hasn't looked this gorgeous and just seeing the, the landscapes and the visuals of the places they were it made me jealous. This is one of the reasons why I love Woody Allen to see the visuals. And again, I was blown away, especially Woody Allen's character in Paris, who's going to the museums where the last scene at the end, which again, I'll say for, we're going to get to mini discussion about that, but it looks fucking beautiful. I saw a HD rip. It looks beautiful. If you want to see the scenes of Woody Allen doing this globe trotting here and there, that's the thing that I think blows it away out of the war. Everything else, I think is mediocre. That's, that's, that's my critical opinion well this is a segment of the show that we could call Simon tells you why you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> you always do is I to me I'll meet you halfway first of all fuck La La Land after watching this movie I can tell they ripped this movie off like nobody's business and they got so much love like oh my god it's a return to Hollywood classic so inspirational I'm like Woody Allen did this in 1996 mm. once again Woody Allen gets no freaking credit but to your point, the songs themselves, I thought, okay, what's the rewatch value here, right? Because mm. the thing with musicals, you want to relive those moments, hear the yeah. songs again, uh -huh. and not a whole lot. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. It, it's fun when you're watching it the first time, but you don't feel like, oh, wait, I can't wait to watch this again yeah. or another time. Well, I need to own this movie now so I can just rewatch that particular sequence or that other sequence. With that said, you know, Woody gets so creative. What I liked about this, that it's a smart musical. Like, it's not just a collection of scenes in between the dance numbers. Like, oh, we just need to go from one dance number to the other dance number. And we put all our focus in those. He actually wrote some really funny dialogue. 
some really good characters, the actors are great. There are some terrific scenes like when it's him, Goldie Hawn, and Alan Alda. Again, a very typical Woody Allen setting where they're all friends despite being divorced and remarried. You know, Alan just like Al Hannah and her sisters. Oh yeah, again, just like Hannah and her sisters, and um, even played against Sam to a certain degree. It's just very outspoken and very open about. Oh, you're still lo in love with your ex-wife, you know, Alan Alda says. But the yeah. jokes they make between each other, they have such good chemistry. You could tell some of the dialogue was even improvised, and Alan Alda has a genuine big laugh mid-scene, and I'm like... He's great. Yeah, this, this it's all terrific, and I really appreciated that. Like, the first musical number is just the city of New York coming to life, and Woody plays, uh, you know, plays around with the scene very well. We start with Edward Norton, but then, like, there's a homeless guy, there's an old lady with her, you know, guardian, you know, nurse... Then we have uh, the scene in the jewelry store where Ed Norton tries to buy the ring. Then we have another scene in the hospital. So it's all relevant. The plot makes sense. It's, we're not just going from musical number to musical number. And people don't just randomly burst out into a musical number. There are singing parts. And even that's really clever because it's a reoccurring theme of, you know, I'm through with love or never fall again. And almost every character sings that song at some point. Alan Alda even turns that into a joke. It, that was, that again, was, funny. That, I, it was funny. Yeah, that yeah. was really funny. And then at the end, in the very final scene where you have the song, everybody says, I love you. Yeah. They actually reveal where it originated from. So it's even yeah. something sweet. So yeah. I'm like, he really put in the effort mm. to make this thing work and, it, and make it make sense. Now, in terms of the songs not being memorable... Yeah, they could have take, taken their time to write, you know, more memorable original music. Time is the most time yeah, is the yeah, thing. But time. I also thought he got really creative with some stuff, like the funeral scene. That's what brought that was, me around. That was thought, the, yeah, that was wow. Good. You know, suddenly Granddad is like, <laughs> you know, the showrunner here. You know, that character you thought was a one no joke, and they brought him back in a big way at his own funeral. That like, was very you good. Know, that name, was creative as hell. That yeah, was very name good. another movie where, <laughs> where they do that. Yeah, but outside of that, I get I see where you're coming from. I just like it better. I think where the movie stumbles is rewatch value, but in terms of just accomplishment for the director Woody Allen, it just shows the dude is insanely multi-talented. Yeah, completely. I said this before. This was a test. This shows a glimmer. If he actually took time to write a musical and actually made a, a simple narrative story with more depth, he could have made one of his own movies a musical with this kind of talent he would have killed it. So to me, that's why I'm more forgiving of the movie. On uh, One thing I didn't mention, I'm not sure how the movie ages because I think a lot of musical ages very well. And that's the thing about musicals, they're in their own little time capsule. Watching this one, it felt very 90s. It reminded me of Home Alone 2 as well. And I was just like, I don't know, man. Like you said, the music is not super memorable. There's no set pieces, choreography with the dancers to make you want to go. And I'm just like, hey, you know, yeah, to say this is a musical Woody Allen... If you say that now to someone, I think they would be hype. And if you show them this, I think they might be a bit, a bit disappointed. And that's where I'm coming from. I feel like I feel like I'm watching this for the first time because my memory says one thing. I'm watching it now and I'm like, eh, you know, this is the guy that made the movie everyone's going on about, you know, the one we're going to get to in, in 2012, which I'm not going to mention right now. But then you hear that that guy did a musical. You watch this and you're kind of like, eh, kind of lackluster. That's, I know I'm being critical in the movie. I'm just saying... This, to me, was a taste of Woody doing a musical. 
It's not really a musical. It's a, a, a one-year project for Woody. Yeah. You know, and that's that's my criticism. It's just like, I wanted to see him at his full powers. I want to see Woody at his full <laughs> yeah, form like, as like, a musical director. Like, you know, this was him, you know, at K.O. Ken, to his Dragon Ball Z reference. Yeah, K.O. Ken yeah, one. Yeah, this is just K.O. Ken. It's not Super Saiyan yet. Exactly. Yeah, that's like, my yeah. point. And you see, I'm criticizing him against himself. But if you want to talk about as a general movie, it's fine. It's serviceable. It's entertaining. I actually will say as well, I think... It's Kaioken, by the way, just because of Master Kaio. Fuck you. Yeah. And also, um, I think diehard musical fans, they, I think they'll criticize the movie a lot. If you put this movie up against other musicals, uh, I think people will be like, oh, this ain't me. This is... Uh, what is this? Well, here's the thing, okay? Like, if you focus on just the musical element, yeah. But what I liked about it, it's not just a musical. It's also an entertaining comedy. I find the movie really, really entertaining. And in terms of the actors, again... This is why I would want somebody in the cast who could either sing or dance or preferably both. Because then you can write a really good number for that person instead of trying to sell me on Ed Norton being a singer and a dancer. Oh, but man. That was, that was that so was, bad. That it was, was good. That, that was tough to watch. But, <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. Woody tries because basically the language of musicals was written by Grace Kelly and Fred Astaire. Yeah. And these guys do that. This is classic musical portrayal. When it comes to the acting, when it comes to the singing, when it comes to the performance in the musical segments. Then they switch back to, you know, a regular Woody Allen movie. But the transition being that organic, I like that. I think that's a successful experiment for Woody Allen. So you really need to view it as a more unique piece of, uh, you know, I guess, filmography. As a fan, I can. Especially being a Woody Allen fan, I can appreciate as Woody Allen dabbling in the musical. But again... I wanted to see more and it's not fair. I know it's not fair for me to I should just judge the movie on this old movie, but I couldn't help but look at this being like, damn, man, two years, two years, not one. This might have been a, a classic with a talent as well, but one year, Woody Allen's schedule, considering pretty good. I just think some of the set pieces were good. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of my favorite moments when uh, Tim Roth comes into the movie yeah, and he plays the, the escape convict that Goldie Holm was trying to defend socially in the public. <laughs> yeah. And he comes in at to, uh, was it a Thanksgiving dinner party or a yeah. birthday? Or I think it falls close to each other. So they celebrate together. And of course, the predictable plot line is that um, Drew Barrymore, who's been waiting for Prince Charming, falls for this bad boy immediately. Yeah. But Tim Roth is so funny because the first thing he says, he go, goes in and somebody taps on his shoulder and he just jumps like, nobody get behind me. I'll stab you. And he just goes on. I'm in prison. Whenever somebody's behind, you need to, you need to I liked finish it. him. About I liked it, but some people might find it to be an exaggerated stereotype. Just saying. Some Italians might be upset. You know what nah, I mean? It's like, nobody gets behind me. It's like, it's like, and then somebody takes a fo- photo of it's like, no pictures. <laughs> it was just hilarious. It was good, it, even though I knew it was a caricature. It was a stereotype. It was fun. He did it well. It wasn't. It wasn't offensive. Oh, I'm just being. Uh, I'm just being funny. He he was super funny to me. The whole situation, even even like the way his storyline ends. It's almost like another Woody Allen cameo. Like take the money and run makes a cameo in this movie, just yeah. like another yeah. woman. Yeah, it just reuses that a little bit of that. It was just funny, man. It was uh, and. The scenes in uh, Venice, you know, as somebody has, who has been to Venice, I mean, that was beautiful. It was Fuck you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and Julia Roberts, man, she looks stunning in this movie. I so. want to talk about Julia Roberts' character. I, I, there's two things I want to talk about. Let's talk about the Julia Roberts character and her and the Woody thing. Now, first of all, I said this in the beginning. I Like, first of all, him, Woody Allen, 
having this uh, angle where he's getting all his information about her and using it to win her over. You know, it's it's comedic, but then it gets a little silly. But I like the way Woody wrote it. Like, he writes more of, most of his things with some nuance. And at the end, the way it resolves with, you know, spoiler, her leaving him and her explaining that, you know what, you made my dream come true. And now it's kind of done. And, you know, it's kind of, it's cool. It's like, yeah, you know, Woody... That's Woody, I don't know, I like, because the way it was going, and there's another movie called Ruby Sparks about a guy who makes his imaginary girlfriend. And, you know, I like, Woody tackled it first, obviously, but I like the fact that it's a, it's a nice tale to have in the movie as well. And I think it does make Julia character, Judy Roberts' character more three-dimensional and more honest. But my whole thing with that was that Woody was just so focused as a character, by the way, because her character was written fine. He was just serving all her needs. It was funny. The scene where he was trying to blow her back. <laughs> like, <laughs> like an idiot. You know, I was just like, wow, you really, you're not really thinking about yourself because, you know, I, I've watched a lot of films like this. Well, this one segment, I've watched films based on segments like this. And I just kept on thinking to myself, what are you doing? I mean... There was a part where she was like, don't you like eating frogs at night like me? He was like, yeah, 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 I do. And I'm like, this thing ain't sustainable. If this was a movie, it would end with him just being, fuck all this. You know, I can't keep up with this shit. I don't even like half this shit. It was a good part. I, if, if they never had that part where she ended him, it would have really hurt the movie. I like the fact he wrote that to end that way, which I thought was clever. And honestly, I think it's realistic. You know, sometimes when you reach your dreams... A dream ends. <laughs> That's it. A dream is a dream, but dreams end, and then you got reality, which again, Woody Anna's known for bringing the reality in the end, which again, I think is funny. He did it in a com- comedic yeah. way this time, but it worked. True, true. It's like Julia Roberts says, I had a fantasy, and now I got my fantasy, now I don't have one. It's boring. Now you get know? the fuck out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm <laughs> done with you, but yeah. here, here's the thing, man. That Even that cracked me up. You know why? Why? Because Woody always goes on about, my characters aren't me. It's all fiction. But that thing he played were like, oh, I'm controversial in America. So I moved to Europe where they appreciate my writing. And I still write everything on an old typewriter. I'm like, that's you, motherfucker. <laughs> Again, that's like, there's an interview where you could literally quote him word for word that he does that. He moved to Europe because he was controversial in America. And he still writes everything on an old typewriter. And what I find hilarious, he always writes these characters where he does the right thing at the end. And then he's still like kind of like the tragic hero. Yeah. He's alone and everybody else is happy, but he's miserable. I'm like, in real life, it seems to play out always the other way. <laughs> you yeah. know, where he's happy. Everybody else is just miserable and destroyed. Yeah. But then again, you know, we're not going to go back to that. No, no, no. Obviously, it, it, it's almost like it was him admitting to his controversy in the 90s and the state of his career. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was talking about why he lives in New York and kind of critiquing. Because, again, this is 1996, which was an election year. So him roasting the Republicans, especially at the end. Again, one of my favorite parts were uh, the last plot line that resolves is the son. What was his name? Scott? That was so... You know what? That 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 resolution was uh, was like... It was an insult. It was like... (laughs) Because he's basically saying you guys have got something wrong with your brain. Yeah, because... uh, Yeah. Scott collapses. They take him to the hospital. They're like, don't worry. He just had a, a blockage in his veins. So he wasn't getting enough oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the blood wasn't flowing. His brain wasn't receiving oxygen. So his yeah. brain wasn't working properly. Yeah. But now it does. So the first thing he does is quit the Republican Party and become a liberal. Yeah. <laughs> what he's basically saying, you need to be nuts or something wrong with your head yeah. to be a Republican. I'm Clearly. like, that's pretty much it. You know, especially 
since we have the white genocide rallies going on at the moment, you know, oh, yeah. so the vanilla ISIS, the, the vanilla That's- ISIS, the Republican <laughs> Party turned into the vanilla ISIS. Yeah, yeah. So again, Woody being ahead of his time and roasting them during election year because yeah th- this is the clinton era so of course they want to get rid-, rid of clinton really bad yeah well let me wrap this up because i know we've gone along about yeah, this yeah, one yeah. and well, last thing i want to mention i have to mention well actually there's one other thing on oh yeah, yeah the last obviously we have to talk about the final scene the final scene with goldie horn and woody allen by the riverside and let me tell you something man this is a scene without a doubt in woody allen's filmography is one of the like pivotal picture moments like the bench in manhattan or anything in annie hall this scene where he's dancing with Goldie Horn and there's obvious wire work is done with class, it's done smoothly. Even now, even today in 2017, where I will say La La Land took this shit, definitely took it from here. I would say, I don't remember seeing a lot of wire work in other musicals, I might be wrong, but this one, it was fucking gorgeous. The backdrop of the river, the lights, Goldie Horn just singing. It's not very long, it's probably about two minutes, but it is iconic, it still looks good, and honestly, it is a, I love... I love the fact Woody Allen wants to end his goddamn movies. End on a high. That is a high. It's a it's a it's a masterpiece of filmmaking right it, there. It's a terrific scene. It's shot fantastic. It looks terrific. And again, what made it work that it came out of nowhere. It's completely different from the rest of the movie. Yeah. And this is where I can, you know, maybe maybe level with you a little bit. That that shows what he could do if he took his time. Exactly. You know, because point. you know, that was a masterfully crafted sequence. Yeah. Everybody was on point. Yeah. The cinematography, the costume it design. Looked that one shot, right? Or did you know to practice that multiple times? Oh that yeah, was a that, shot. they shot that for probably a month. You know that yeah. that's weeks of work on film for just a like you said, maybe two minutes. And you can see the water in the river, so you know it, it, it ain't cut. You no, can no, watch no, no, the water no. move in the river, so you know it's one. Oh, they probably practiced it multiple times. But that was one take. I'm telling you, that is fucking fantastic. It, it is terrific. That scene is Oscar worthy, you know, yes. by itself. Yes, it is. It is Oscar worthy scene. And the last one I want to bring up, and actually, I would be remiss if I didn't, man. I have to say, without a doubt, I think this is Woody Allen's most multicultural movie of all. Because honestly, oh, yeah, you see. people are in this one. You I was going to get to it. Yeah. There was a rap scene. You remember we talked about scenes from a hall? We said, those guys are rapping, doing some <laughs> rubbish beatboxing. This time, you get some hardcore. That okay, that was hilarious. <laughs> Fuck love. <laughs> yeah, where everybody sings, I'm through with love, I'll never love again. And he's like, yeah, fuck love. Fuck all you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm through with love. Fuck all you motherfuckers. I tried I to find the group. I couldn't find the group. Because I think they're an actual act. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But, it, you know, it's a cutaway scene. But the reason why I'm bringing it up again is not only that. There's actually a scene where one of the taxi drivers, an Asian guy or... Oh, yeah. The, again, very creative. Where yeah. You have... I don't know if he was Indian or Arab. Or Pakistani. Again, oh, guys yeah, yeah. will raise their hands up for being I, I think he ignorant. W- from the head piece yeah. i think he was sikh because yeah. you have the yeah. word of the thing we'll go with that forgive yeah. us people <laughs> i don't want to say turban because yeah. it, it, you have multiple headpieces not always a turban yeah, you let's know, avoid so. those sugar warnings simon yeah keep going. exactly <laughs> the dude with the beard driving a cab in new york you yeah. know he's foreign from yeah. somewhere yeah. somewhere east he starts singing and i thought that was hilarious in his own language <laughs> yeah exactly. he was singing in his own language and you can blatantly i don't always say this guys because uh, uh, Woody allen's very criticized for not hiring a lot of black people other multicultural people this one today is easily the most multicultural cast characters he's had and i know a lot of them are not main characters but in the dance sequences in the taxi like we mentioned the black it's like i felt like that was conscious it was good not good enough i'm not gonna say it was good but it was good to see that in the movie because again 
it's New York and New York is very diverse. And although, again, we're dealing with another beach where family with each house and, you know, even part of me where they say, you know what we do for Christmas? We go to Rome and just rent out the whole hotel and have a costume party. And I was like, you motherfuckers. I can't relate to this shit. Oh, they, but I love to again, see Again, uh, somebody who went to Paris, seeing Paris in this movie was terrific as well. Fuck you again, remember. Simon. <laughs> you know, we need to do... It reminded me, we need to do some traveling because we live five minutes from all these places in That's London. True. And, That's true. And yet we're still stuck here all year. And this, you know... Rainy ass shithole. You have no idea. Worst summer, 2017, Jesus. But yeah. let's, let's wrap this up. I think I said everything to cover the movie. Let's see what anyone yeah. to say. No, 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 no. I, I think, I know where you're coming from. I like the movie better because I think for him, yeah, it's a great diversification of his portfolio. Definitely. It's a very successful attempt. I appreciate yeah. what he adds to the genre of musical. I think the way he ties things together and the kind of clever little jokes he inserts are unique. And yeah, I enjoyed the movie a lot. It's just... If every number was like the last number, yeah, this would be a, a classic, instant yes. classic, yeah. infinitely rewatchable. In this current form, it's just fun. It's a very highly recommendable movie to check out. It's very unique. And again, fuck La La Land. They totally ripped this movie off. I could see yeah. them. I won't say the complete ripoff, but you know, they have the they they have the same location as the ending of this film. The, I think so. Uh, the Paris I, yeah. Strip. I do think so. I I think that was. I would. If we did research, I think we would find a director that on purpose. I think that was a more of a tribute. I'm yeah, not sure if it was a yeah, ripoff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. he did that. When on you purpose. run out of ideas, suddenly start making tributes. What a coincidence. <laughs> wow. We got a lot of hand super fan right here. Anyway, guys, uh, I figured like I'm forgetting something, but this review's gone down too long. I know I'm gonna get hate for even criticizing the movie, but oh, that's what I was gonna say. In context, and I think I wanna end on a positive. In context of the time the movie was made in nine ninety six, for we had to do this. I don't think anyone was doing this kind of thing. You know, this was a throwback. No. And at the time, this was probably a breath of fresh air. Again, well, come, I guess coming off La La Land, I can be a bit more critical. Coming off the time where we're in this whole, you know, reliving the go one years of wonder and nostalgia and all this stuff. Yeah. I get, you know, I, I guess I can, it's, it's easy for me to be more critical when now people are going to do this more and more. But then, I don't think anyone else was doing this for the island. So again, I have to tip my hat off and say, much, much praise to you. Well done. And yeah, guys, let's leave it at that. If um, you've seen the movie, you want to give us your opinions on why you hate my opinion or why you agree with Simon, disagree, agree, disagree. Guys, we want to hear it. Whatever you think, leave it in the comment section down below. Simon, as always, I want to thank you for joining me on this one. That's fine. Uh, this one was a good one. Better than last week, I'll tell you that. Let's not get caught up in spin-offs, okay? Let's stick to the main filmography. It's ironic like, you say that, Simon, because that's exactly what we're not going to do. Because the next discussion is going to be a spin-off. <laughs> but I will say this, it will be the last one for a long time. Because honestly, we're just being completionists, guys. We hope you appreciate it, guys. We're doing this, so we are being completionists. If you guys ever heard about these movies, these side stories, we're covering them all for your listening pleasure. But again, guys, I want to say thank you. If you really appreciate what we're doing here, give us a thumbs up subscribe to the channel want to say thank you guys for listening on the podcast Woody Allen Pages guy you know our friend Danny and Woody Allen Pages we appreciate his input we appreciate the website because that's the website to go if you're a true Woody Allen fan but with that said guys we're going to leave you and uh, we'll see you on the next recording